Welcome to episode 16 of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. Once again, we are continuing with women's wrestling, and whereas last week we did the highest voted result on our Twitter poll, which was Women of Honour, uh, this week we decided to go to the second highest voted option, which was All Elite Wrestling. We didn't watch any All Elite Wrestling yet, because when we were doing singles wrestling, they just sort of hadn't really done any shows. Um, so we've decided to add them in for the women's section, and we'll obviously do them when we get to tag team wrestling as well. But this was our first dive into All Elite Wrestling and what they, the content they put out. And the match we watched was Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki versus Nyla Rose from Fighter Fest. I believe it was Fighter Fest. Laura, what was your star rating, please? Uh, I give this one, I'd say, three and a half stars, because there are a lot of really good moments that I liked. Uh, wrestling was pretty solid. There was, again, a high degree of athleticism from some of these. And it was the first also match we've seen that was kind of like an asymmetrical, because it was three people, all kind of, and there wasn't like 2v1, it was all, everyone for themselves, but then, of course, there would be like temporary alliances formed and stuff. So watching the three people dynamic and getting to see moves that involve three people is really interesting but there were also some parts like just oh, there were just some choices that just seemed really odd to me throughout the match and I didn't quite get and the the weird style choices also for these three women I was just like what is what is happening like it almost it's rare that someone's like wrestling outfit would take away whatever I was just so distracted and just like I don't know it was just very weird jarring to look at at times. We have one looking like a Final Fantasy character, one looking like a girl ready to go to a ballet class, and the other looking like a really bad wrestling costume that someone's mom made for them to wear to, like, a middle school Halloween party. And it was just, I don't know. It was weird. So I, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't, like, I'm probably not going to be talking about it too much or remembering it for a super long time. It had some good moments, though. Um, so, fun little fact for you is... Three and a half stars is the exact rating Dave Meltzer gave it as well. Hey! I look. think that's the first time in the podcast that's happened. But Guys, like, you know, I clearly have missed my calling. I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to go become <laughs> a wrestling journalist or commentator now. Peace. I just I just thought that was, you know, <laughs> an interesting little aside is that you, you know, exact same rating. For the I, prob- I feel like he probably did it for different reasons than me, but hey. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think that was a pretty fair assessment. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this has sort of been the story of, like, AEW's women's division is, so far, like, they've got a bunch of absolutely amazing wrestlers in the division, but so far just haven't sort of had any blow-away matches. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the talent's there, but something's just not clicking. Um, Yeah. But yeah, shall we start going through the notes in order? Yeah. Uh, my first notes are about the commentators, because, of course, we get to see them on the desk, and there's three of them. I'm immediately like, why is the one dude wearing a mask like that? How can he even see? I'm Clearly, the, like, eye panels must have been, like, mesh or something, but I still was like, isn't this going to impede your ability to watch and talk about this match, sir? Shouldn't you take that off your face? And then the minute one of them, I was like, one of them looks really familiar. And I started talking. I'm like, he, co- he commentates for Overwatch League. And that made me, I had a little bit of a excited nerd moment. Because worlds one, uh, colliding. So, 
So the one with the mask is a guy called Excalibur, who we've encountered before in PWG. Um, oh, have we? Yeah, he's the main commentator for PWG. Shows how much I know. Where, like, he, he commentates very differently here, because obviously in PWG it's very, like, silly, you know, and just fun. But here it's much more, like, actual serious commentary. He's the guy, if you remember, I said that one of the commentators is like a living encyclopedia and just knows like every wrestling move's name. Oh, he's that guy. That's, that's Excalibur. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And basically the reason he wears a mask is that he used to be a wrestler before he moved on to commentary. Um, and he we- wrestled wearing a mask and was called Excalibur. So now that he's gone on to commentary, he just stays called Excalibur and stays wearing a mask. It's just his. I figured there was some reason like that, but it's more like the type of mask just looks like it would very much obscure vision. And I was like, I mean, he wrestled in it, so it must have you know decent visibility. Like, I can't imagine wrestling with no vision. That'd be kind of hard. Yeah, fair. Um, which one was it? Was it the one? I don't know how to describe it. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, because one of them. The, the one who I think you're probably on about, because, like, one of them's Excalibur, who's wrestling through and through. He was one the guy, them's... when we looked at, when they showed clips of him, he was the one sitting on the far left with the glasses? Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name off the top either. of my head. <laughs> but he, basically, he used to be a sports journalist. Like, he used to do, um, I think it's NBA coverage. Um, and he's never really done anything wrestling before and AEW picked him up to try have like a you know bring a sort of sports orientated side to the commentary table yeah fair so this is like his like second ever time doing commentary for wrestling okay and he gets a lot of flack from people but i feel it's very like it's a bit unwarranted at this point because it's his, like, second time ever doing it. Like, if he's still bad six months down the line, whatever. You know, give him all the flack you want. But when he's been doing it for two shows, like, mm-hmm. cut him some slack. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. But either way, I was excited to hear him commentate. It's like, that's a voice I'm familiar with. And, like, he's, he's a good commentator when he does Overwatch League stuff. So I was like, why not? Um... And yeah, so Riho came out, and I was like, oh, it's just a very cutesy, like, look. I feel like this is how you can do, like, the kind of cutesy and more, like, just kind of friendly, easygoing, like, more appeal to kids wrestler without being the weird, like, off-putting version that I think Bailey was when when we watched the Bailey match, because... Riho totally did that. I was a bit disappointed, though, because she comes out wearing a very almost, like, Lolita-esque, like, dress. And I was waiting for it to be, like, a tearaway, and we get to watch her, like, tear it away to some badass outfit underneath. But that didn't happen. We just later see she's already taken it off. And I was like, oh. Oh, well. Moment missed, but it's okay. But then, fuck, we have this, like, pink, girly, like, frilly dress, very smiley wrestler come out. And then Nyla Rhodes comes out with a fucking skull mask. But I was like, are you... Are you a skeleton on acid going to your wedding? Like, who dressed her? Who decided that was a look? What does that have to do with anything? She has, like, this green outfit, this lime neon acid pukey green skull mask. And then this, like, glittery yellow, like, a veil. Like, it literally looked like a weird costumey veil for a Halloween corpse bride situation. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't like it. I don't get it. This is odd. 
whatever. I've of... actually felt the same way. Like every time I've seen Nyla Rose, because I didn't know Nyla Rose before AEW, and so far in AEW, I've been kind of impressed with her. You know, she's she's all right. She's a bit like Green, but whatever. She's pretty good. Um, but the main thing that's always bugged me about her is her outfits. Like, because, like, the main thing that bugs me about them is very often they just have a bunch of, like, clashing colours Like the yellow and green? Yeah. And she wore another one, and I can't remember what it was, but it was, like, green and brown. And it was like, fuck. Either way, yeah, I was like, you need to fire your stylist and get a new one. Also, oh my god, that is maybe the largest woman I've ever seen. And she terrifies me. (laughs) some fun facts about Nyla Rose? Always. She is a First Nations person. That I knew, because they, they had in her, like, little intro video, the word native was there. And she's even on mm-hmm. her face. She has some of the, like, features and that you could tell. she is the first openly transgender wrestler signed to a major wrestling promotion. Oh, she's a, she's a transgender? I would never even have known. Like, didn't yeah. even question it. I was just yeah. like, you're telling me she's a woman? All right, she's a woman. How like, awesome is that? I like her a lot more now. <laughs> I just wish she wasn't dressed so horrendously. But that's awesome. Good for AEW. Do you know I what appreciate thing, representation. <laughs> do you know what the good thing about her flaw in her outfits is, though? That's very easy to fix. It is. It very much if, is. If you're a shit wrestler or have no like presence in the rig or charisma, that's very hard to fix. If yeah. you just dress badly, that's very easy to fix. Yeah, she definitely you know? had presence, like, in the ring. The one thing I did think, but clearly, though, it's not just, like, because she's bad. It's the choice they're making with her character and her fatal flocks. It's almost very Shibata-esque in that she had multiple chances during the match to take the win, but she was too busy, like, showboating or being yeah. confident or being like, I could win right now, or I could cause more pain and make my win, like, flashier. And kind of that whole, I will prove I'm better than you. But it's like, you you know, you also do that when you win, right? You could just do it right now. And that was what lost her the match. But that isn't necessarily her moment because clearly that is the the character choice they're going for with her and everyone has to have their, like, fatal flaw and that's hers. It's still, I just like, though, I think, like, Shibata does it a bit better than her. And that might just be the way it was written slash choreographed or she just needs more practice at it. But it did seem, they need to find ways to make it a bit more believable and less, like, I felt like the whole crowd at one point was screaming at her, what are you doing? Fucking pin her. Like, everyone's going, this is, come on, what are you doing? She is, like, dead on the ground. Waiting. She even, like, her leg is stuck up vertically in the air at one point forever. Like, she's waiting for you to grab it. And then Nyla just did it. So eventually Riho drops her leg. And I'm like, dude, she's literally waiting for you. What are you doing? I think, um, so, one, it, it's a bit unfair to compare anyone to Shibata. Because Shibata's <laughs> fucking incredible. Um... But uh, you are right that she is. She's pretty like new. You know what I mean. Like so, she'll get better as time goes on. Um, but also, um, like a lot. I think part of it, and th- this is just what I've picked up on. And obviously, you won't notice because you haven't watched previous stuff. But like, I think part of it is story, because in the yeah. first match AEW had of their women's division, it was her against two other people. And then they, like, brought in a surprise fourth person who was Awesome Kong. And you don't know Awesome Kong. Awesome Kong's fucking massive. She made Nyla Rose look small, right? So, I think, like... So, like, like the commentators even said on commentary in this match, she went... She expected to be the biggest person in this division, to be the strongest person in this division, 
until Awesome Kong showed up. Yeah. So I think part of, like, why she was, like, trying to just, you know, show off so much in this match and, you know, just show up these people and not just go for the win was that, you know, I can be big and strong too. You know what I mean? Like, fuck Awesome Kong. I'm the big strong one here. You know what I mean? I think it was, like, following on from that storyline. She got upclassed by Awesome Kong, so she wanted to, you know, like, show off in this match. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm sort of always willing to give storylines like this, like this idea of, oh, she got really cocky and complacent and lost a match because of it, the benefit of the doubt to see if they go somewhere. If it doesn't go anywhere and yeah. she just keeps doing it every single match and never changes and never develops, it'll get very old very, very fast. Oh, yeah, because particularly it's like, well, if this is the most e- another easy fix to your winning... You want to win eventually, like what? Otherwise, yeah, so- like I, I don't, I'm not super against it because I get it's a very valid character choice and a flaw that can be part of a pretty decent arc. But it still always kind of bugs me to see a little bit, just because I don't like st- even in not just wrestling in general in life. I don't like stupid mistakes or needless mistakes. Like when people, whenever I see anyone making their life the harder. And there's, like, such an easy way they could fix that and they don't do anything about it. Just pet peeve drives me nuts. So it kind of plays into that anyway. Yeah. I'd just like to say, if it it goes somewhere, I'm all for it. You know, having, like, a one-match thing where they use it to tell a story, great. You know, good. If it becomes a reoccurring trend and it becomes, like, her thing, it's going to get very old very fast and I'm going to get very sick of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um... And then I really liked Yuka. Yuka was, I think, my favorite from the beginning and then particularly at the end because, well, first of all, her whole outfit, wardrobe choice is, it's like Christina Aguilera from the Genie in a Bottle music video meets a Final Fantasy character. And I was like, I don't hate it. I'm here. Plus, it's rare you see women being so covered up where like she's wearing like full pants and stuff. She's and also like, happy as this. fuck. That, yeah, she's just, like, the most bouncy, smiley, like, human ever. I'm like, you're probably about to get wrecked, and you're just, like, coming in here like you're going to Disneyland, but... Also, the crowd got super... And bear bear in mind, this is a crowd, right, who aren't gonna know Japanese women's wrestling... Oh, at all, yeah. At all. But they were cheering for her. This is probably gonna be their, like, first or second encounter with these people. Yeah. But they loved her, because she just, she gets... like, Like, you, you were, like, immediately, like, I love this person, and that's... She had such a knack at just, like, getting herself over. You know what I mean? With just, like, her outfit and her charisma and personality. Like, Yeah, exactly. She was just great. And I think she was the most also impressive throughout the match wrestling to me. I think I saw, like, at least more of the things that made it to my notes and some of the more, like, athletic or, like, impressive-looking feats Yuka was involved in. Um... So yeah, I was cheering for her most of the time. And I, I really liked at the beginning how, because I, once I figured out what the win condition was, because at first I thought it was actually a 2v1. Like, it was structured that way because of the, like, Yuka and Riho teaming up in the beginning. But it's, no, it's just like, all right, well, we're opponents, but she's clearly a bigger threat if we can get her tired and then fight this out. Like, 
the two the two little like Davids teaming up against the Goliath kind of right, which is classic wrestling storytelling. You know what I mean? Like two and small it's people straight up clever and makes sense. Take down a bigger opponent, like it makes total sense. Yeah, exactly. So I really liked watching that, and you also Going knew back- it's like it's not gonna be the whole match. It's just for a bit. They're like, all right, we'll work together for now, and then later we'll deal with each other. Like. <laughs> Going back to the intros a second, um, I have two little extra notes on it, which is, one, they had Pyro, which is fucking awesome. I love Pyro. Because uh, obviously, like, like you I don't, you probably don't know this, but like WWE used to use Pyro all the time for entrances, but a few years ago they got rid of it, said they couldn't afford it anymore. Excuse Can't me? Imagine it's that expensive. Um, so it's cool to see Pyro on entros. It's just fun. Everyone I mean, pi- pyro is very expensive. <laughs> As someone who, like, we're working in theater and live events, like, something like a minute of fireworks can cost, like, 10 to 20 grand. Like, Yes, but this is WWE. That's what I mean, though. I'm like, They're come very on. Rich. That's, what, that's why, that's the problem. It wasn't that I don't believe that pyro is expensive. What I don't believe is you're saying you don't have the money to cover that. And again, it's just for the one. It's not like you're going like a fireworks show or like a stage show where it's going off throughout the show. It's like, it's literally just for an opening spot. And Come also, on. it's not like you have to do it for like house shows where you do multiple every week. You just have to do it for like the TV and pay-per-view stuff. Yeah, you know do what it mean? for like WrestleMania and SummerSlam and shit. Like, uh, And my other note on the intros is that they all had very generic entrance music. They did. I, I don't even, I can't even tell you right now what it was. Like, I can't hum it. I can't. Yeah, you know? it's just very... Which actually has been addressed. Like, a lot of these wrestlers had... Like, the Japanese women's wrestlers, for example, had very unique entrance music in Japan, right? But for some reason, it wasn't used, and they were given just generic music instead. And when someone like someone messaged like Kenny Omega on Twitter saying, like, yo, where's this person's entrance music? And Kenny was like, trust me, I'm working on it. I was as mad as you when I heard that she didn't have it. Oh, like, well, that's so good. So it, is, it has been addressed. The generic entrance music has been addressed. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, did you notice the female referee? I did. That was also in my notes. I said I really like that doing a women's promotion will have a female ref. That's, I think, the first thing we've watched that has had one, right? I'm not crazy when I say that. NXT does have a female referee. But I mean, things that we've watched. That's we, the first uh, yeah, one. Yeah, I don't think okay. we've watched one with a female ref. Uh, NXT does have a female referee, but she seems to not show up very often. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas one cool thing about this female referee in AEW is it's not like she only does the women's matches. She does a lot of the men's matches as well. She's actually just one of their like top referees who's used very often. That makes me happy. It's not just like a gimmick, like, oh, we'll throw a women's ref in for a women's match, you know? So I know she's just also, it's her job and she's good at it. Uh, and she seemed also like pretty decent. Like she seemed a bit more involved and a bit more useful than other matches where we've seen the refs basically just be there for ornamentation. She's another person who before AEW started, no one really knew who she was because she refereed for small indie promotions and stuff. But she has very, very quickly become, like, an internet favourite. Like, the internet loves her. You know what I mean? Like, Yay. she's really made a good impression on people. Because she's, like, an actual, just very professional, good referee. You know what I mean? Like, nice. But, like you say, she feels a bit like she's part of the match. You know what I mean? Like, she's not just invisible. 
my one ref question that I had since you brought her up, but then I guess, so was the counting when people are out of the arena, was that not a thing? Because the first time Nyla was like knocked out and then like Riho and Yuka were doing some stuff in the ring, it felt like Nyla was out of the ring for a long ass time. But no one's gonna, but clearly there was no like lo- lose condition where if you're out of the ring for so long because there's three of them, you'll lose. Yeah, I think that was part of it because it's a triple threat. They'd probably yeah. only start doing the counting if it was like only one person's left in the ring and the other two are out or if all okay, three okay. are out. You know, I think if only one goes out, they won't start counting because then it's like the other two have to like stop wrestling to go get that person back in the ring, you know? Well, also because the be ref awkward. needs to be more focused, I guess, on the two actively wrestling yeah. just to keep an eye out for injuries and stuff than the person who's outside. So I, I figured that was the case. Do, I just thought I'd check. Yeah, I know they do do counts in AEW. You know, I've seen it. So yeah. I think it must have been just a quirk of it been a triple threat match, you know? A freeway. Fair. Makes sense. Um, and again, I had another note at the beginning about Riho and Yuka. They seem far too cute and perky and happy to be wrestling. Has do do they know what their what the sport entails? Do they know what's going to happen? Have Obviously, they, they seen do, their opponent. But, yeah. <laughs> and then I liked the double drop kick right off the top with when Yuka and Riho were like, "All right, let's try and you know wear down this this Hulk that we're facing a little bit." Uh, although I did, and this is one of the things I wear it lost, like, the chance of five-star. Between the way they were dressed and a few other subtle things, it kept teetering between... I know this isn't, like, a comedy match, but it's it kind of, at times, felt like it was teetering into comedy with some of just the, the moves that happened, the reactions from the wrestlers and the facial expressions and stuff. And that those moments where it kind of fell into comedy were just a bit off-putting because I'm like but it's not supposed to be that this is like a serious wrestling match um so that I I, it it just was a really weird constantly changing kind of dynamic throughout the match if that makes any sense yeah um can can I bring up a line of commentary that happened right at the start of the match (laughs) and I'm not like right at the start like as the bell rang one of the commentators Jim Ross and I don't know whether this was intentional or not, but it comes off really bad. Said, and I quote, don't go make a sandwich right now. Who was he saying that to? Uh, the audience. He says, don't go make a sandwich right now. As in, like, now's a bad time to get up and leave the, the, the yes. TV kind of thing? But, like, in the context of it's the start of a woman's match... You know, saying "Don't go make a sandwich." Yeah, right might now. be might be a little bit of poor word mm, choice. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like so I didn't like pick I say, up I, on I, it. I, I but... don't know if that's intentional or not, but it didn't come across very well. I didn't even notice that, to be honest, when it was happening. Um, uh, I but noticed yeah, it mainly because, um, like, without going too much into detail for it, like Jim Ross got quite a bit of flack for how he called. The oh, okay, women's okay. matches online. You know what I mean? Okay. So. Cool. Cool, cool. Makes sense. Um, and also, I did like a lot that, just to, again, showcase the raw strength of 
Nyla, uh, there was a lot of moments where she's like, you know what? Screw it. Two for one. I'll just pin both of you. And the very first one where she's like lying across them and they both, Yuka and Riho, do like this, like just bridge and like ooze out from under her. Just like the, the core strength in the weird like bridge flex they pulled to get out from underneath her was very cool to, to watch and very impressive. And my abs hurt while I looked at it. I thought it was pretty cool. And... Um, oh, and then, and then we should have the thing where the submission, I never remember what it's called, but where she's kind of like squatting above the two of them and you grab the person's face and their arms are up on your legs and poor Riho is just like scooshed in the middle because she's doing it to both of them at once. I was like, oh God, that, that, that must be pretty, pretty not fun. Pretty painful. I I just loved the like dynamic in this match with the like two versus one, like two small people versus a big person. Like they try go for like both of them trying to lift her up for a suplex and she just turned it around and suplex both of them yeah like it was it was really cool the match just like you know them just trying to overcome yeah and then like later in the match but when they both like leapt at her she just caught both and she's now holding both of them like given they're petite but she's still holding two fully grown women like up in the air like one per arm you know which is like that, that's the hardest part, is catching them out of the air, because then not only are you catching their weight, but it's, like, with velocity. Yeah, you know and, you're, I mean? and you're stopping the momentum. So, yeah, Nyla is a beast. I immediately want to see Nyla wrestle a dude. I want to see Nyla versus, like, anyone. I don't, I don't care. I feel like that would be really interesting to watch. Um, And then when, uh, when Yuka did the part where she leapt off the top rope when Nyla was outside on the apron... Uh, I said, I kind of liked, because they mentioned how, like, her knees were really shaky, and she clearly was having trouble kind of, like, getting that. Because so many wrestlers, um, everything they watch, they stand on the top rope. You'd think that top rope is made of, like, cement. It doesn't move. They just, like, you know, casually climb up there, and they're rock solid. So I was like, I kind of liked this, like, humanizing moment of seeing Yuka, like, the rope shaking and her knees shaking, and she still managed to pull off the ring and, like, leap at Nyla anyway. Um, yeah, and, and I liked that commentary addressed it. They weren't like, oh, that was perfect. You know, pitch a perfect move. Like, I liked that they were like, you know, knee shaky, but she still landed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I said it's nice to see them be less than superhuman occasionally, was my direct note. (laughs) Meanwhile, like, on uh, the WWE pay-per-view the other day, like, you know Ricochet? Yeah. Who's inhuman. Dude's ridiculous. He had a match where his opponent was, like, working one of his legs over the whole match. Yeah. So when he went to do her like a springboard move off the top rope, he did it on one leg. Oh my god. Because he's is inhuman. He is What what is he? What what is I know, what is yeah. he made of? <laughs> what what do you have instead of bones in your body, sir? That makes Ridiculous you so nimble being. and light. Like But yeah, like I say, I love it so much when commentators don't ignore mistakes. Because yeah. like when commentators ignore mistakes and try to like cover them up it takes you so out of the match. Because it's like, look, you can, you're not going to trick my eyes. Like, I know what I saw. You know what I mean? Like, So I love it when commentators actually like comment on the mistakes. But I also love that they didn't like harp on about it. They were like, oh, she had shaky knees, but she still landed the move with high impact. You know, like, it still had the desired effect. Like, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun moment. And then, and then I just have a note. Oh no, Japanese teamwork is over. Sad times. 
Because I guess since Nyla was recovering outside for a while, Yuka and Riho took the chance to kind of go for each other. And that was incredibly... Like, when it was just them, the two similar sizes, they were going for a while. Like, it did not stop. There was, like, drop kicks and, like, pins and lots of, like, Irish whipping back and forth on the ropes. Like, it all of a sudden, the pace of the match just, like, picked up. And I really liked the part where it was just the two of them. Um... And yeah, like the, and the part then where Nyla's ca- crawling back in the ring. I think my favorite moment of the whole match was this next part where Riho like ran, grabbed the ropes, like swung up, over, around, and then threw the rope to drop kick or n- to kick like Nyla. It was it was so cool. Oh, is that what it's called? I don't. Yeah, so um, you know Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Uh, like the sort of most famous luchador in yeah, at yeah. least in America. Not in Mexico, but in America, he's, like, the most yeah. famous luchador. That was, like, one of his signature moves. He, like, popularized that. Because, like, the actual, like, sort of move, that like, the actual name of that move is a tiger faint kick. But everyone calls it the 619 because that's what Rey Mysterio called it. You know what I mean? So that's what, like, he, he made it so popular that everyone just calls it, like, what he called it. You know what I mean? That's how, like, popular he was. That's um, cool. One thing to note on when Yuka was doing the stuff, you know, diving to the outside and stuff like that, yeah, is the crowd was so behind her. Yeah, they were like, chanting they, her name. You know, they were loud. they were loving it, which also was so nice to see considering the last match we watched. The the, the match we watched, I can articulate, guys. the The crowd just gave zero fucks. The crowd did not care at all about the Women of Honor nonsense. Yeah. So it was like, oh yeah, right. This is what it's like when crowds are actually into the thing they're watching. Especially considering, like say, this will probably be their like first or second time ever seeing Yuka. And they're like, Yuka, Yuka, Yuka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, they were cheering for her. They also had a like, this is awesome cheer. And then when Yuka and Riho were like exchanging the chops and the blows, the crowd were like getting behind it. They booed Nyla as well. Been the yes. Heel. Yes, they did. It was great. Uh, oh, and then this part, I was like, oh, ow. Riho just jumped and stabbed Nyla in the uterus with her feet. Is in my nose. Oh, the she, double foot stomps looks so Yeah, nasty. it was the foot stomp, and just because where it happened, because we have women wrestling, you know, it wasn't just, like, stomach, it was that bit low. I was like, oh, that's that, that's the uterus, you know, no babies for you. <laughs> like, oh, man, it just looked like I, I grabbed my stomach when she did that. I was just like, oh, ow. And even, even though clearly she is tiny, I'm sure Nyla has abs for days, like, obviously, and then you absorb them, but it still looks... Even even when it's like a tiny small Japanese lady, it still looks gnarly. The thing is, move. you know, I said like I said to you like one of the reasons you'll enjoy Japanese women's wrestling when we get to it is that they're stiff as fuck. Those double foot stomps are sort of like what I mean because like if you ever watch like Loki or Finn Balor do their double foot stomp, they do it in such a way so that like they land but like instantly crumple. You know, so they're not actually putting any weight on their opponent at all. You know, so it still looks brutal, but he's like totally say, Nope, these people just fucking stomp on each other. Yeah. Zero fucks given. Just full on stomp on your opponent. Like Zero Why not? Fucks. Like Um One day when we get to like the free form section. Um yeah. since you like the double stomps, I'm gonna have to show you I, I, one of my all time favourite wrestlers is a guy called like Trevor Lee. 
And he does this fucking incredible move where when his opponent's running at him, he'll just jump from standing, put his feet onto like their chest and stomp them down to the ground. Ugh. And it looks fucking incredible. And I'll have to show you it sometime. It's, it's amazing. I love double stomps because they're, they're like a surprisingly safe move that looks fucking horrendous. Yeah, and, exactly. And I think part of why it looks so horrendous to like us as casual viewers and not wrestlers is it's very easy for us to imagine how much that hurts. Because everyone like, has been either accidentally or on purpose, like just taking a sucker punch, like a hit to the stomach mm -hmm. at some time in their life. And usually with half the intent and impact, it would be from like a freaking wrestler. Like it's been an accident and it still like knocks the air out of you. Yeah, like like when I see someone do like a hurricane run off the top rope, it's like I have no idea how much that hurt. Like I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like I, it looks painful, I guess. But I don't. But like when I see someone just get stomped on, it's like I have a very good idea of how much that hurt, and the answer is a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then again, I wrote this is a very fast-paced match. The sheer energy these girls are putting out is great to see, and that was where it got like most of its rating. Was it did not feel. Like, there was a lot of downtime. It's probably because, since there are three people, like, when Nyla had a lot of downtime lying in the apron, like, recovering, Yuka and Riho were going at it. Riho was, like, out of it for a while, so then Yuka and Nyla were, like, going at it. And it's really enjoyable to watch when there's kind of, like, never a break. Because there's just always something for you to be like, yes! Out, and it was pretty cool. And then I was like, are we starting to see Yuka get a bit tired? But I'm like, but I totally buy it. She's been running and leaping around like a monkey. She'd been like, and it's not just that she so does everything active. with so much energy. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna get tired fast. She's not doing it like casually and slow paced. She does everything with like a hundred percent the whole time, if not a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, and again, another one of my I'm learning wrestling pet peeves. There was one moment given Nyla is huge, Yuka is small, and Yuka has been exerting a lot of energy, but Yuka did a kick out because Nyla had her pinned and it looked super weak. I'm like, did I'm like, Nyla, you probably, you totally could have stayed leaning on her for that half-assed kick out, but clearly not, not part of the plan. So you, you got up and let it happen. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst one I've seen. I didn't hate it. And I kind of didn't want Nyla to win anyway. So I didn't mind too much. Um, and then there's about Jesus, the muscle on those women. The part where Nyla's just holding Yuka and they're like vertical. Yuka's basically doing like a fucking headstand on Nyla's shoulder. And I felt like that moment was just so suspended. Like it felt like it went on forever before they finally like dropped and she did. I don't think it was a suplex, it was something else. But but when Nyla finally like took Yuka to the ground, but they were like a perfectly straight line, the two and of the them. The thing about that is it's not just strength on Nyla's part to hold Yuka up. It's, it's also Yuka holding Yuka herself straight. To, yeah. yeah. Doing like he, that's so much core strength because yeah, she was literally blanking, straight you know? as a board, like but being held in the air. Like good lord, it was so. That was other than the Riho's swinging through the ropes thing. That was the next like most impressive moment in the whole match. It wasn't even a move; they were stood still. But it was just not the raw Nyla power and strength not of Nyla that. Catching two people out of the air. That was also that's in the notes. It's coming up. Those are the top three. Then add that. There we go. The three best moments of the whole match, or those ones for me. Um. And then this part where I thought, this is one of the parts where I started to lose star, stars and it was really dumb. The part where she then like, the, the commentators made a joke about how she like hanging Riho up to dry like laundry because she like 
slams her into a rope and Riho stays hanging over the rope but she didn't stay hanging over the rope in a way like oh I'm tired I'm weak and her body's just held there like it was very obvious she is holding herself into these ropes to wait for Nyla to do the next move that she did she like leapt at her I'm like at least the, like I would buy her saying the ropes if say the rope was in like around her stomach and she was using her abs to hold herself in there but her arms are limp her head is down her legs are limp because I've seen circus people do it with like Chinese pole apparatus and stuff and then it would still look like, oh, you just happen to be balanced on these ropes and you're exhausted. But, like, you could see her arms tense. She was literally holding the rope to hold herself there. And it just looked really forced and really awkward. And, like, why the fuck would you keep yourself in this position? Move. I actually agree. Like, the actual, like, move that it led to was fucking awesome. It was. But the but setup was... Was very bad. Uh, yeah. It was very bad, and there were and, and very the many is, moments like that. But there, the moments triple threat, they could have easily done it much better by just like have Nyla on the outside, right? Have like yeah. you could put Rio on the ropes, and then surprise, Nyla comes off the top rope. You know what I mean? She's climbed yeah. up while nobody's watching and lands the, and then you can do the same move without exactly. the long arduous setup time that makes it look really yeah. set up, which it was. Yeah, because it it just completely broke like the. The whole like the suspension of disbelief that I had throughout the match. That moment, it's like all comes slamming back to you at how like we have pre-chosen and pre-planned this whole thing, and this is going to happen. So, really did not like that moment. Even though it did, I said it. My direct notes. It did look impressive when Nyla leapt at her head, but still meh overall because it's dumb that Rio would just still be hanging there and literally keeping herself there just so this could happen. Um, I agree. I loved the actual move it led to, that diving knee to the like someone's back and then like flip them off the rope. Yeah. It looked brutal. Yeah. And then but, after that was another one of the moments where like Riho is like practically dead and Nyla go for the pin, but Nyla's like looking at the audience and like living it up and so like just again showcasing that choice of the the flaw her flaw in this match. So I wrote, Now the only one I'm cheering for is Yuka. Where where'd the note go? Dun, dun, dun. Um, the only one I'm cheering for now is Yuka since the other two are making stupid mistakes. So I wanted Yuka to win. Uh, I did like the one part though, like Rio's like dying, dying, dying held still. And then Nyla climbs up to the top rope to get another leap at her. And then Rio just all of a sudden just like rolls super fast out of the way and just looked really cool. And then Nyla just, you know, lands full, her whole full brunt on her own like tailbone without you know, Riho's body there to be a yeah. squishier. And I think you picked up on the important part there, because that's a very common spot, people rolling out of the way and the person missing the big move off the top rope. But the difference here is that, like you said, she did it very, like, last second very quick. Yeah. Because so often, it looked oftentimes really cool. the person will start rolling out of the way before the person's even jumped. And it's like, well, why are you jumping off the top rope? Then? Yeah, like, exactly. You know they're not there. It looked, it, looked, it looked believable and really good because of the timing and the speed that the rollout was done. Um, and then the part where Nyla catches the two of them comes after that. Because Riho, after she rolls, gets up and leaps at her. And then Yuka's like, oh, she's already holding someone. I'll leap and knock her down because she can't take both our weights. And then Nyla was like, think again, bitch. <laughs> and it was pretty crazy. And then I just have a note in capital letters because one of the commentators was talking about, I don't know who they were talking about, whether it was Riho Nyla or Yuka. I was like, wait, one of them started wrestling at nine? Where were your parents? Question mark. All in caps. So who started wrestling at nine years old? I'm pretty sure that was Rio. Yeah, I thought so, but I wasn't a sure. a long ass time. But then they say wrestling's like, how? 
how? Like, do they just mean like what? Like wrestling with like your siblings or other kids in the playground? No, We've no, all like, done that. Like, she, what do they she'll mean? She started at a wrestling academy like when she was nine, like learning how to wrestle professionally at nine years old. Blows my mind because it's also just because it's one of the things James and I were talking about a while ago. You never really, at least those filthy casuals like myself. We never really think about the career trajectory or like how one actually gets here. Like you never, like I'd never in a million years would think, oh yeah, you can go to school and train for wrestling the same way you can go to college and get a degree and train for things, or go to college to get an athletic scholarship and then be training for like any other sport. It just like is some weird bubble where it just happens. These people are just found and they just go there, which clearly is not the case. But <laughs> so so. Here's the thing. She was trained by Emi Sakura and debuted for her Ice Ribbon promotion in May 2006 at the age of nine. So not only did she start training at like nine, she had her first match for a promotion at nine. Who was she wrestling though? Other nine-year-olds? No, she'll have been wrestling, you know, people. And she's what 22 now. Like, so why? She, so she's a 13-year veteran at 22. That's what? fucking insane. <laughs> What? That is absolutely insane. <laughs> that that just blo- I can't even. I can't I even picture I just, a child I wrestling. I don't, what is, I don't what? know how to process this information. <laughs> I don't. My brain stops. Like brain.exe is not working. Please relaunch. <laughs> Cannot do. And then I also this next part where Riho desperately trying to stop these back and forth pins because Nyla and Yuka are going at it and keep getting the other in like a pin or a submission and Riho's just like no I want to win runs at them and knocks like knocks Nyla out of the pin oh shit but now Yuka's pinned because I knocked her out nope gotta gotta go back and goes and does it was this really hilarious like again like go verging onto comedy moment but this one I didn't mind because it was comedy that had a reason because boy she's like no I want to win so I need to get the pin it's not like a you pin her, one of them's out, and then there's two of us left. Like, it was like, no, first one to do it wins. And it was just this funny, like, desperation of her just, like, repeatedly running at the two of them, just interrupting what they were doing. I kind of yeah, liked it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's sort of like, like, it, and it's, the thing is, it's not, like, intentional comedy. It's, like, a legit spot in the match where it's, like, you know, she broke up one pin, but then another pin started happening, and she was like, oh, shit, and had to break it up as well. But it just sort of, like, becomes unintentionally hilarious you know what I mean? exactly like, exactly so I, I so that was the only time where the match became comedy but in a way i didn't mind and i liked not like in an awkward way um and then again with the part that where then riho is lying there on the ground she's lying there like arms spread out starfish one leg but then one leg 90 degrees right up in the air and she was holding it there for what felt like forever and i wrote why is why the hell is riho leaving her leg up in the air like that like hi nyla come grab me please and then just a capital letters, put your leg down, Miss Veteran. Like, what is happening? I just didn't get why she was holding it there at all. Because then nothing was done with it. She eventually put her leg down. I'm like, isn't that effort to hold your uh, leg I perfectly mean, straight at 90 degrees? Why? What is the being achieved by this? Yeah, I didn't even notice that. So <laughs> I, I can't comment. Go back and rewatch it. It's really freaking weird. It's so odd. Uh, and then my, And then, of course, at the end... Riho wins and I was like wow I did not see that coming I very much thought um Yuka was gonna win for a long time like because if the way my normal match predictions work because Yuka and Riho both started out being the underdogs and then Yuka started coming on really strong for a while in the second half so I and again where the match gained stars was it subverted my expectations for the ending so I was happy with it it did feel like it kind of all of a sudden it came out of 
nowhere in the end of like from Rio. Like I didn't think Nyla was tired enough or well, fatigued enough. Or like I, I don't like I didn't hate it, but I also felt like it could have maybe been a little I, bit more I, satisfying. I, I sort of liked that though that it was they didn't like beat up Nyla. They didn't dominate the monster. They had to like get a quick surprise pin on her and catch her off guard because because that was the way to do it yeah yeah so i like that because it keeps nyla looking strong she wasn't beaten you know in this like she didn't get like beaten down by these people you know what i mean like they just sort of caught her off guard you know and got a surprise win on her you know what i mean so she stays sort of looking strong from it yeah she's dominating the match for Um, sure i'm so like D D from game of thrones have so traumatized me to the words subverting expectations. <laughs> like, when you said it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, uh. That's funny. And then, of course, we get a bit of a healy moment because Riho's excited, and then Nyla is like, no, I will not let you celebrate your victory and pulls the heel move of attacking the person after they've already won. So then Yuka comes back and is like, no, I'll help you fight her off. And then Yuka looks like, so I'll be like, here, look, I helped you. We'll be friends now. And then Riho is just... Seems so mad at her. I was like, why is she so upset with Yuka? And then it cuts to Yuka, and Yuka legit, another moment where between her her wardrobe choice and then, like, the facial expression looks straight up like it was a Final Fantasy character. It broke In a very sad... Right? She looked like... She looked like you kicked her puppy and and told her that, like, Santa Claus wasn't real and that unicorns weren't real and just, like, her whole world was just, like, crumbling. And we had the best line of commentary of the whole match. That's a sad wrestling face right there. <laughs> 10 out of 10 line of commentary. That was a sad wrestling face. But yeah, either way, I I didn't quite get why Riho was so mad at Yuka for coming in to help her because just does it make Riho look weaker? But they um, had to they had to team up throughout the match to try and deal with Nyla. So it's not like I, it was I think it, I think it's I don't think it was necessarily that she's super mad with her. It's more of a look, this is a singles division. We're not friends. We work together out of convenience, not because we're friends. Don't try to be friends with me. You know what I mean? Oh. So I think I you could be what friends and wrestle against each other. Look at Kenny and Coda. Come on, come <laughs> on. I, I think that's um. Yeah, I think that was the sort of story they're going for. Is you know, it's like, look, we're just because we helped each other out in this match doesn't mean we're friends. Okay, don't get too comfortable. Like, not necessarily, you know, like I hate you. Get away from me. Just. Look, we're separate competitors, we're not friends. But yeah, Yuka's face, man, broke my heart. And like, if the crowd didn't love Yuka... It was the be- saddest thing. If the crowd didn't love Yuka already from like just her character and her persona and everything, seeing that face, like, you know what I mean? Everyone loved her after that. Like, Oh my god, it was so sad. I mean, how could you not love her after that? Like, You're just instantly rooting for her, aren't you? You know what I mean? Like... She's just become, like, the biggest baby face in the company just by one facial expression. Yep. I did like, though, that Nyla tried be a heel and do the, like, post-match beat-up, but they just worked together and were like, no, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, um, complete sidebar, though, for a minute. I meant to say at the start of the podcast, I forgot to really remembered. So, you know, the match we watched last week that we gave zero stars that we hated so much? Yeah. Because I posted the link to that episode in a discord i'm in because there's a professional wrestling tab because lots of fans there and someone replied i was there live for that match it was dot 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 not great to say the least so someone 
who was even was there, I was like, yeah, that, oh, was, boy. that was pretty awful. <laughs> do you want, since you mentioned Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, do you want an update? Yeah. Kota Ibushi um, recently won the G1 tournament. Okay. Right? And he got asked in the post-match interview by, like, one of the interviewers, how did it feel to be alone this time and not have anyone in your corner? Do you want to hear his answer? Please tell me he's like, Kenny's in my corner. I need no one else. No, he said, <laughs> I was alone the other times as well. <gasps> Kota, no! Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi is the best fucking story in wrestling, don't at me. <laughs> I fucking love it so much. <gasps> That's sad. Because, uh, like, That's everyone, so everyone is still maintaining hope of one day getting the big Kenny Kota match. Even if Kenny's gone over to AEW, like, he actually got an explicit clause in his contract saying he's allowed to go work for New Japan. It's just at the moment New Japan sort of dislike AEW. So they're refusing to work with them. Because they stole, like, half of their roster. Oh. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is a pretty good reason to dislike them. Sorry for that weird noise in my little... I almost just knocked my food off my desk. And I was like, ah! (laughs) So, you know, like, at the moment, they're not working together. But, like, they'd be dumb to pass up on an opportunity to have, like, the massive Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi match. Just out of, like, spite. You know what I mean? Like, there's a point where yeah. you got to put business above, like, you know, emotion. Yeah, <laughs> like, that for match sure. would be so huge that, like, come on, you got to do it. Especially since, like, say, Kota's still, like, telling this story. You know, he's still going with it. You know what I mean? He hadn't dropped it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's we'll get it one it. day. We might be, you know, like, 10 years older, but we'll get there one day. But yeah, that's all my notes of obviously. For this match. But yeah, it was interesting to get to watch a three-person match for yeah. for once. And I... Yeah, I, I have a few more notes, but it's generally just on, like, just small moves in the match. Like, for example, when Yuka did, like, the diving clothesline to Rio on the floor. And it looked awesome. And then she tried to do the exact same move to Nyla. And Nyla just, like, caught her. I was like, no. It's not going to work on me. But that's basically, like, all my notes eyes. It's just a lot of notes on, like, small moments in the match. Mainly of Nyla being a beast. Because it was awesome. But yeah, my overall thoughts on this match were it was alright. But nothing special. But I just loved the dynamic. Like, the actual yeah. sort of, like, storytelling dynamic of the two people versus the one bigger person is cool. It's a cool dynamic, you know what I mean? And again, examples of there was tons of storytelling in this match without any cheesy exposition, without any dialogue even almost at all, just in the wrestling and their faces. There was still a fair amount of story. Like, the yeah. whole bit with at Riho and Yuka at the end, you were upset, all their whole unwritten or unspoken communication about like when to work together and team up with Nyla and then Nyla's whole like cockiness story and even at the end Nyla's face recognizing that I fucked that up I have no one to blame but myself like she clearly was like that was mine to lose and I did it (laughs) um so I do have like one thing to say which is AEW's women's division at the moment 
like, I don't believe this is the case because I have genuine faith in, like, Kenny Omega loves Japanese women's wrestling. He's a huge fan of it. He's wrestled for a lot of, like, Japanese women's wrestling promotions in mixed gender matches. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. He loves it. And Brandy Rhodes, who's, like, the head of their women's division, is a woman's wrestler themselves. You know what I mean? So I think genuinely they do, you know, love women's wrestling and want it to be good. But at the moment, whenever I watch AEW's women's division, I can't help but feel it's an afterthought. You know, like, their the entrance video was just, like, a Japanese flag. Their entrance music was generic as fuck. Um, it felt yeah, like two out of the three commentators didn't even know who these people were. You know what I mean? Like... The amount of times Jim Ross said big powerful woman in this match referring to Nyla Rose because he just didn't know what else to say about her. You know what I mean? Like, so he just kept repeating that over and over again. And not a single one of the women's matches so far has really had like any build-up or story behind it. They've all just sort of been thrown together matches for the sake of having a women's match on the card. They've not had any story, not had any build-up or anything. And I just, like I say, I have faith in them that that isn't their intention, but it's very much how it comes across at the moment. Yeah. And I really hope they fix that when they get onto television, because they start on television on October the 2nd. And I really hope they start treating their women's division a bit better once they're on TV. Yeah, absolutely. I do, it's funny because before, but again, this is the only thing I've watched, so I'm not looking... Uh, bigger trends, but now that you mention all those things, I 100% agree about the like the afterthought yeah. vibe. So yeah, like I say, I, I it bugs me at the moment, but it's you know they've done three sh- like three or four shows ever, so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see if it becomes a trend going forwards or if they fix it, you know. Yeah. And one thing we can say about AEW that's not true of necessarily a bunch of other promotions is that they are receptive to fan feedback. Like when people complained about the entrance music, Kenny Omega was like, I'll get on that. I'm annoyed as well. You know, like yeah, they exactly. do listen. They are receptive to fan feedback. So, you know, like I say, I have faith in them going forwards, but it is just a wait and see what happens. You know, if stuff changes, good. If it doesn't, then I'll get more, you know, I'll get more annoyed at it. You know what I mean? But at the moment, it's too early to really tell much. Yeah. Because this was like their, like, third show they ever did. So. <gasps> oh, I'm excited. I just got the notification. And it's this wrestling related, so I can talk about it. <laughs> so anyone else who knows the YouTube show Hot Ones, I'm obsessed. It's one of my favorite YouTube shows. Interview show where they eat incredibly spicy wings. And one of the best interviewers of all time. The season finale today has Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the video just went up. That is what I am watching as soon as we are done recording this podcast. I'm excited. So are we planning to follow the Twitter poll for the next couple of ones up to you we can i don't care uh because next up on the twitter poll would be impact which uh used to be called tna um and their women's division so i guess we'll move on to that next time cool sounds good i don't know what match we'll be watching i'll have to do some research on what a good impact women's match is 
I do know that they had a really good intergender match just well, the cool. other week. But it had like a hardcore wrestler on one side of it, so I'll And have to you have some extra time hardcore. to figure out what we're watching because next week I will not be able to record an episode because I'll be on an airplane flying to Florida. Wow, how dare you. Um, so I'll, I'll have to watch that match and see if the hardcore guy actually does hardcore stuff or whether... Because I know he can wrestle non-hardcore matches. You know, I've yeah. seen him do it. And if it is a non-hardcore match, maybe we'll choose that one because it'll be cool to throw in another intergender match. But if it is hardcore, I already know you don't like hardcore, so <laughs> we'll gloss over that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah you I'll got you got lots research. of time to figure it out because I have oh, a vacation to Florida. I've got so much Florida. watching wrestling to watch as well. Like I still haven't watched all the SummerSlam. I've watched like half of it. I still haven't watched Takeover. I need to watch the Buddy Murphy Roman's Range match and SmackDown. I've still got a bunch of G One matches I need to watch. Ugh, Get I'm on so it, Hanzo. God. Well, it's always hard when the G1 <laughs> comes around because it's like... It's so much wrestling. Yeah. it's And it's all so good. Like, like basically every G1 match will be better than anything you'll see on, like, a WWE pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, you can just put on basically any G1 match and nine times out of ten it will be better than even, like, the main event of a WWE pay-per-view. That's how, like, good the G1 actually fucking is. So, it's, like, there's so much wrestling going on and it's also good, you don't want to miss it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. So it makes it very difficult to keep up. And watch yeah, everything. of course. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's like when it's like, um, you know, football season for a football fan. You know what I mean? There's just so much going on that it's like, ah, what do I do? But yeah, I think that's everything for this match. Yeah, thanks. Address so. some concerns, but, you know, largely it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And, you know, it's very just sort of slightly above average. Slightly That's above pretty average. much exactly how I'd describe it, yeah. Yeah, just slightly above average. Not standout, but not ter- terrible. Um. So, yeah, do you have any final thoughts? Any last words? Uh, I don't think so. Do you want to do the plugs this episode? <laughs> Uh, sure. So obviously, uh, make sure you're following our Twitter account so that if you want all the latest updates for the podcast, when new episodes go live, when we do things like the Twitter polls, you can vote on episodes and it's MAM Wrestling. Uh, if you want to, uh, follow me or Hanzo, we both stream on Twitch and my name is Laura K483. Hanzo is Hanzo Kurosawa. And I also have my own personal Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Same name, Laura K four eight three. Feel free to drop a follow if you want to see what other craziness and nonsense happens in my life. <laughs> and, and if you have any uh, ever have any feedback or questions yeah. about the podcast, you know, direct it at the podcast Twitter account, and one of us will get back to you. And we are looking into maybe making a. Uh, paypal or some link somewhere on the website for anyone if you really like the podcast and want to help us you know keep the website up and running because it does cost monthly money to keep our domain name and our website and stuff so if you'd like to help with that we're looking into a way to make that happen and yeah keep your eye out for the next episode which will be impacts women's division and thank you everyone for listening bye